what's going on everybody my name is taylor ashton and i wanted to start this podcast because i'm all over twitter i'm active on twitter if you haven't seen me you should have seen me i'm a fantastic follow taylor ashton 17 i'm just kidding i'm actually not that good of a follow but i do have rants i do have takes and if you like children football you like sports if you hate politics like me, you won't find any politics on my Twitter, so you can go ahead and hit that follow button, and it'll be a blast. But I did want to start just to do a little 2019 USC football year in review. Um, again, another year we underperformed. Again, another year we had five losses. Blame who you want, but I'm not going to blame the players. Our talent is phenomenal on that field. Our recruiting track record shows it. It proves it. And it's time our head coach steps up and develop these players to maximize their true potential to enable them to have a successful career at USC so they can vault themselves into the NFL draft whenever they do come out, which is every kid's dream, which is why you come to USC, which is the greatest university in the country. So let's jump right into it. Let's talk about the Holiday Bowl, the game that ended the 2019 season that happened to be on my birthday, December 27th. Let's talk about that. So I do know there was a few misfortunes just right off the bat. I do understand that Keaton Slovis got hurt in the third quarter. But how many times are we going to just blame injuries and blame this and blame that for the reason why we lose? Like you realize every team has injuries and has to overcome injuries in every game? It's college football. These kids are 17, 18 years old. They're going to get hurt. Prepare for it. Stop using it as an excuse. If your quarterback goes down, maybe stop throwing the ball 500 times. Matt Fink can't throw the ball 500 times. Yeah, we beat Utah. We beat Utah 30-23, to and Matt Fink threw the ball 400 times in the air. Deep balls. And we connected. He had a hell of a game. But we don't win ballgames. We don't run the f-ing ball. It's that simple. We're not tough. We're not mean. We, we, we have the size. Everyone said that, oh, oh Iowa rushed for over, over 100 yards because they're bigger than us. Like, no, they're not. They ran, over under, they ran for over 100 yards because they rushed the ball 35 times. Their average weight on the offensive line is 304.6 pounds. Do you know where our average is? 309. And we have Austin Jackson, who was a top 10 pick. He's going to be. We ran the ball against Iowa 18 times, and Keaton Slovis got hurt in the third quarter. He got hurt when we were down four. And we still try to throw the ball every play. I get Graham Harrell's air raid offense, and Graham Harrell is a fantastic offensive coordinator. He's doing a fantastic job for us. If USC wants to win ballgames, regardless of what Coach Helton is doing, he needs to hire a good defensive coordinator, let him run the defense, let Graham run the offense, and be the hoorah coach, be the hoorah guy that everyone loves, that, that we all love. I love. He's a great guy. You can cut my Thanksgiving turkey, but if you're going to cut my Thanksgiving turkey, you're going to need somebody else to put their boot in someone's ass when it needs to be. If they break a team rule, if they if they go offsides, if there's a personal foul penalty, if they kick somebody, get them out of the game. Rip them a new one. That's what Coach O did when he was at SC with Coach Kiff when I played for him. We would be late to practice because we were forced to spat because we were twisting our ankles. Everybody was forced to spat. And so that line to the training room was absurd. It was like the DMV. It really was. It was like the DMV. So if you didn't prepare, if you didn't give yourself like that 45-minute buffer before you got to the practice field to get your ankles taped, you were going to be late to practice. Guess what happens when you're late to practice with Coach O? You're getting ripped. Not only are you getting ripped, but you're also running. 
for the first hour of practice. You're just running around the field showing everybody who's attending practice that you're late. Who gives a shit why you're late? You're late. Players and coaches have to be held, be held accountable. Like if a, if a coach doesn't hold a player accountable, how in the world is a player ever going to do their assignments correctly? How are they ever going to give you maximum effort that if they f*** up, they know that they're not going to get cre- uh, their ass kicked? Like if you had a teacher in if you had a teacher in school, right, and you're chewing gum, or you wear your hat, or you talk, or you blurt out, or you pass notes, and you know you're not going to get in trouble, guess what's going to happen? You're going to continue to do all of those things. Probably more because you're taking, you give somebody an inch, they're going to take a mile. And that's what USC players do. Running out of the tunnel, warming up with no shirt on and cold weather, trying to do your own thing and actually make it about you instead of being about the team. It, it's all part of it. And, and, and honestly, I'm fine with, with, being in, with being an individual on the team. That's fine. But as long as you're winning, winning covers up a lot of mistakes. If you're losing, you can't go out there and start thinking honestly that you're the guy. I'm all about celebrating all wins, which is actually brings me to my next point because when you watch some of these games that we do, we will get beat. Like, we can get beat eight times in a row. And then the ninth play, we'll make a play, and then we'll showbow and get a taunting and get a personal foul penalty. I mean, it goes back to the turnovers. Like, we're not a very... We've been losing the turnover battle. We're like 120th in the turnover battle this year in all of college football. So it does kind of make sense to me, actually, when we do get a pick, we celebrate because we celebrate all wins, but we celebrate too hard because they don't come too often. If they came a lot, you got to think that we wouldn't be getting 15-yard flags for it. You got to think that's the case, right? I mean, we have players. Our defensive backs are amazing. ITS, OG, Chris Steele. I mean, Chris Steele, in my opinion, saved, saved our recruiting class last year. He'd also filled a massive void that we had in that DB because we had really young players that never played before. And I know he is a brand new true freshman, but he doesn't play like one. He's physical. He's fast. He knows, he knows how to play corner, and so does OG and ITS. Everyone is good. Let's coach him up. Let's expect to win. Let's get used to winning so when we do win... We don't get flagged for it. It's just a simple fix. It goes back onto the head coach. You can't let him party like it's 1969 with no repercussions if you're going to get a personal foul call. If they get 15, pull them out of the game. Coach them up. It's their time to understand the consequences of their actions. It's not difficult. It's not even that crazy of discipline. Just got to let them know. Let them know what time it is, coach. Let them know. There's a difference between having fun and costing your team 15 yards. That's field position. That's that one first down where where you could possibly punt or be in field goal range. It's a game of inches. You need every inch. You need every yard. Quit costing your team and help them. Just hold them accountable. Be accountable. Accountability is huge in a program like USC. In every program. But when you're on the biggest stage of football, accountability is up there with discipline. Back when my older brother was playing with, with um, Carol, if anybody remembers that BYU game, I don't know why it stuck out to me so blatantly, but I was like 15, maybe I was even 14, but when they played BYU in BYU, I don't know if you guys know this, this guy name, but he was a great cornerback, Ronald Nunn. He was a great cornerback. He got beat in cover three over the top, and Carol never played him again at corner. 
not just for that game, but for the rest of the season. Because if you blow your assignment, the most fundamental assignment in cover three is to not get beat deep and you get beat deep, you're not doing a job. They're going to put somebody else in there who can do their job. I mean, hell, I got beat against Washington. Played about six plays against Washington. Got beat on one of them. Deep cover three for a touchdown. Granted, they were on the 20-yard line. Made a terrible play on the ball, but I didn't do my job. Simple. Guess what happened? I never played again. Kiffin did his job correctly. He did. Next game, we played against UCLA. Beat them 50-0. Guess who never saw the field? Backups. Not just me, backups, all backups. He wanted to keep that 50-0 to on the scoreboard, and all these fans were all pissed off about it, but honestly, I'm not. I'm, I'm more of a USC fan than I was a player because I grew up never missing a USC home game. My pops played for McKay. Colin, my brother, played for uh, Carroll during the national championship runs. And now I'm playing for Kiffin. And so when he's like, guys, we're not going to blow the, We're not, we're going to not let them score a point. I was like, fuck yeah. Don't play backups, coach. I might have been in that damn huddle saying, yo, dude, don't throw me in. Dream come true to play against the Boo Boo Bruins? Absolutely. That would have been awesome. It would have been a fantastic time to play against UCLA and beat them. But we might not have won 50 to 0. Helton would have taken the gas off. Catlin would have took the foot off the gas pedal in the third quarter. If we were up 30 to 0 in the third, our backups are starting and playing the rest of the game because he wants everybody to be included. But that's not how you win. I, I'm, Alabama, they're not playing their backups in the third. I mean, when they're playing William and Mary, I, I guess they are, but that's a little different situation. They're not going to play them against LSU if they got a three-score lead going into the third. They're going to try to win 70-10 every single game, and that's why Saban is such a good coach. He's also a crazy disciplinarian. He straight doesn't let his team get complacent. If they're winning, he put he keeps his foot on that goddamn gas and blows teams out. Look at the Arizona State game. Look at the Arizona State game. We won, we beat Arizona State 31 to 26. We scored 21 points in the first quarter. We were up 28 to 7. 28 to 7. And we won 31 to 26. Arizona State had their backup quarterback in the guy from Michigan Viejo, who actually just recently transferred to I think Pitt. We get complacent, we get idle, we get scared, we just like try not to lose ball games. And it's funny, dude. We had we did the same thing as Oregon. We were up 10-0. I mean, Oregon had like 17 points with like 10 yards of total offense because of a pick to the house, a kick return to the house. But the point is that we dominate games and we don't win. Or we don't win like we should win. And people always gave me shit on Twitter when I was like, dude, if we go 12-0 and and win every game by one point, heads should roll. That is just a huge over-exaggeration to try to drive my point home saying we don't beat teams that we should beat by as much as we should beat them by. You shouldn't squeak out a four-point W over Colorado. I don't care how many people are hurt. 35 to 31, I don't care how many people are hurt. Colorado is ass. Was ass this year. And this isn't anything new, by the way. This isn't anything new. If you look at last year, we've had last year, we had 
we were five and seven last year, and I think five of those seven losses we had over a fourteen point lead at one point. How who blows fourteen point leads? When you watch LSU or BAM or any good team out there, and I know I'm comparing the greats because we're supposed to be great. We have the great recruiting class to, to show for it. 2016, we had the what do we have? 2016, 2016, we had the 10th best recruiting class. 2017, we had the fourth. 2018, we had the fourth. 2019, we had the 20th. 2019, we had the 20th, but that doesn't count the two five stars of Brew McCoy and Chris Steele recommitting back to SC through the transfer portal, which we probably would have been a top 10 class if you factor in those two five stars. Last year we had Texas. We were up 14 to 3. We lost 37 to 14. 14 to 3. We lost 37 to 14. I don't care about that safety call, which was absolutely bullshit. That might be the worst call I've ever seen. The non safety call, I guess, for Texas. The dude's tackled eight yards almost deep in the end zone. And they give him the ball on the one yard line. We were beating Arizona 24 to 0. Do you know what that final score was last year? 24 to 20. We scored zero points in the second half. We were beating Colorado 28-7. We won 31-20. We were beating Utah 14-0. And at halftime, we somehow managed to go down 20-14. to I mean, who do, you, who do you pin that on? You can't pin that on the players. Hell no, you can't pin that on the players. It's a lack of... Fucking, it's a lack of dog. And someone just wants to rip your head off. Smash your throat. That's what it's a lack of, is being too nice. Being too soft. Letting them off the hook. You don't let teams off the hook. You let teams off the hook, especially bad ones, they'll come back and beat you. And the incredible part about this is, is that we let teams back into the game on special teams. Kick the damn ball out of bounds. Do anything but let them return the ball to the house. Arizona State, they got back in the game because their special teams, they got the ball. Their kickoff, I think, was like to the five and they scored. Which they scored on three plays. On third down, actually. It almost was fourth down. That would have been a hell of a stop by the defense. And they had a punt, punt to the house and then we shank a punt. It's like every game they get the ball on the 50-yard line. I know everyone was talking shit about the defense sucking, which the defense might have sucked. But the offense slash the special teams was never giving them any chances to be a good defense, like two first downs and they're already in field goal range. Like, you can't do that. Does anyone remember the Iowa game when it was 14-14? to 14? The momentum was back at SC. And we kick it off and they take a 98-yard kick return to the house to go up 21-14. And then we go three and out, we shake a punt, give them the ball back on the 50-yard line. That's not how you win games. That's how you absolutely lose games. That's you making sure you ain't winning. It's a bummer. And we do it every game. There's some sort of a bullshit play that happens, but it's the attention to detail on the little things in practice that we don't do. I went to practice. I went to the practice the the week that we all spoke with uh, the brand new athletic director, Mike Bone. Who is the guy? He is the guy. Trust me. Everyone's giving him shit. He is the guy. He's a great individual and he wants to win. But watching that practice, I know it was a Thursday. It was a Thursday practice, and I know it was a day before the walkthrough on Friday, so we're not really hitting. But you should still, there was still no, it was like no real coaching. It was no real guidelines. It looked like, it looked like people were just running around doing whatever the hell they wanted to. 
I mean, Michael Pittman and Tyler Vaughn weren't playing that practice. They were sitting out, so they were dicking around with the quarterbacks the entire time. And it was funny. People liked watching him try to hit the cones off the, off the trash cans. Oddly enough, Michael Pittman, one of the best players on the team, hit the cone twice. Not surprising. True athlete. But we're running around with no real attention to detail, which is what wins you ball games. And if you don't think it is, then you're wrong. It's the little things that win games. So, like, if you remember, if you go back to the Holiday Bowl when, what was it, the third quarter? So, after Slovis got hurt, after Slovis got hurt, Fink was in the game, and we struggled on offense, right? We, we couldn't get really anything clicking, anything going. So, we punted the ball. We still down four, but we punt the ball, right? We punt actually the best punt I've seen all, all year. The guy catches it on the five. But when you catch it on the five with Baxter special teams, especially back when I played, there was like a 15-bullet-point sheet that you, had to, that you had to say before any meeting start started. And the first one was attention to detail. And I know the special teams suck this year, and it's a bummer that Baxter's – well, Baxter's gone, and I, I obviously heads need to roll because special teams was one of the worst special teams in the entire country. But I don't think we practiced it enough at practice to, to give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't think we practiced as much as we did when I was there, which we practiced two hours – a day on special teams, which when I was playing for him under Kiff, our special teams was awesome. We led the nation in blocked kicks, kick return. I mean, whatever the hell that damn average is, we had one of the top special teams in the country because we practiced at it. And I don't think we practiced enough at it, which is why we sucked at it. But anyways, back to my story. If you remember when Fink couldn't get the ball rolling and we punted the ball on the five-yard line, you're, you're told as a gunner to when you get to the return guy, Put your hands in your goddamn outside your knees and try to feel like a shortstop or second base waiting for him to make a mistake and to muff the punt. Just wait for it. What did 19 do, the return man for Iowa? He muffed the ball. And Greg Johnson, number nine, is just sitting there watching him with his, like, basically with his hands on his hips, expecting him to catch the ball. You don't expect him to catch the ball. You expect him to make a mistake, and then you capitalize on those mistakes. That's how you win games. Matt Fink had the ball snapped over his head, and guess who recovered it? Iowa did on the five-yard line. They didn't expect it to be a regular run up the middle and just crashing in the middle. No, they had guys blitzing from the outside. In case there was a mistake, you get it, which is what Baxter used to preach for us back when I was playing. I can't attest to what happened this year, but on every single field goal, we blocked the fly path, right? Like the fly path is where... So if you're on the right hash, the fly path is going to be he's going to be kicking it to the left, so you're going to have to kick it at the nearest point, which is towards the left. If that makes any sense, it's hard. I'm 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 doing a visual with my hands, but I know I'm not on video. But on top of the fly path, to put your hands up in the fly path and to time it correctly, the two outside guys, if they weren't rushing to block the kick, their their main goal, which is you can go back and watch tape back in 2010. Sharice Wright and I believe Torin Harris actually both took one back to the house, a blocked kick. Sharice actually, I think, was offside, so that one got called back. But Torin actually picked it up and <laughs> dove into the end zone. I think got a personal foul call on it. But we scored on a blocked kick because when you rush to the outside, you rush, put your hands like a, like a shortstop in a second baseman, waiting for that kick to be blocked. Because guess what, guys? In college football, you can return a blocked kick. And that's exactly what we did. And we blocked a lot of kicks. Because we were ready, for, we were we were prepared. We practiced it. We paid attention to detail. We made sure. I don't know if it was Coach Kiffin being the disciplinarian, or if it was Coach O. 
it was a mixture of both, and it was a perfect recipe. And I know that Kiff got launched on the tarmac. I know that was a bummer, but you got to realize the shit that we've been through, that he's been through with that entire team, with sanctions, with everything. I don't want to go into it because I already wrote an article a while back on it, and I don't want to grapple on it because people always used to give me shit that I that I'm on a I'm on the Kiffin bandwagon, but I am on the Kiffin bandwagon. I've always been drinking his Kool Aid. He's at Ole Miss now. He's going to do great things at Ole Miss. He dominated at Florida Atlantic. He was put in a terrible situation, scholarship reductions, bowl bans. I mean, how the hell are you going to recruit when you're going to tell a kid in their house that you can't go to a bowl? Hey, guys, come compete for the USC Trojans. You can't go to a bowl game. So that entire season that you're fighting for, you're just basically putting putting film on yourself on tape for the NFL scouts. That's all you were doing. That's all they were doing. So people were, a few people transferred. A few key people transferred because of it. All players want to do are play on primetime. They want to play primetime. They want to showcase their skills. So when you can't go to a bowl game, you can't even compete for the Pac-12 championship game, which, by the way, UCLA filled our spot by default. So when a UCLA fan said that, they, oh, well, they won the Pac-12 South in 2010. Yeah, that's because we couldn't go to the Pac-12 Pac-12 title game. Don't get it twisted. We run LA and we always will. UCLA doesn't have a chance. But again, it's attention to detail. It all goes back to attention to detail and to to discipline. If you don't have attention to detail or discipline, you're not going to win ballgames just off of pure talent. You can't do it. It's a better coach team with the most talent is the team that wins games. It's a fact, and we always have the talent. That's, that's what I struggle to wrap my head around, is I always look in the mirror like after the games. I actually lose sleep over this shit. You guys, don't, you guys think I'm just a random fan and I'm just talking shit, but I'm not. I'm more personally invested, than, in my opinion, than anybody. My damn family fights over this shit. We get in fights in the Coliseum. Tunnel 21, if you guys want to come find us, row 32. We're there every single game. You want to come tailgate with us? We're actually in between the National History Museum and the Coliseum, under that big tree, just to the left of the just to the left of the steps of the History Museum. If you're looking at it, and I know some of you listening have a hard time listening to this because it's just another rant or another dissatisfied USC football fan, but that's not what I'm doing here. I'm not trying to not get recruits to come here. I'm not trying to get recruits to go play for Kiffin at Ole Miss or Hermit, or the Arizona State. If you want to get paid and you want to win, USC is the place to do it at. We have the most history. We have the most, we're in the best city in the entire country. Am I biased? Yeah, I'm biased, but I'm, we're from Los Angeles. Best weather. You can't tell me the weather is better in Mississippi than it is in Los Angeles. You can't tell me the weather is better in Arizona than it is in Los Angeles. The only thing better about Arizona State is that you actually see blue sky. And trust me, I've been to Arizona State. I played football for Dennis Erickson for a year. Yeah, co-packed whole champions, actually, with the Trojans. Funny story, when I was actually playing for Arizona, for uh, Dennis Erickson, he didn't let players who didn't suit up for the game, so like, if you didn't start or you weren't, weren't going to get playing time, you were a redshirt or you were a scholarship player that was injured or you were a walk-on that didn't get any PT, you had to sit in your own seats. Everybody, Every player got four seats, right, to every single game. So if you didn't suit up, you couldn't run out of that goddamn tunnel. You couldn't run out of the tunnel playing for Erickson. I don't, I don't know why I never agreed with that. That makes no sense. Why would someone want to compete for you, especially those blue chip players that, that, you, that you need to run the program? 
to put their blood, sweat, and tears to play on that scout team. You you sure as shit, you know the scholarship players out of five stars, they're not going to they're not going to want to touch the scout team. Everybody thinks they should be playing. So you need those guys, and you're not going to reward them by letting them suit up and run out on that damn field for home games. I get you don't make the travel team. People don't make travel team all the damn time. You can't travel 119 people. That makes sense, but it doesn't make sense to not let your kids suit up at home games. So anyways, I sat in my seats. Great seats. 25-yard line seats. About 15 rows up. Those are great seats. But guess what I did when USC was playing their home games? If it fell on an Arizona State home game, I flew back to Los Angeles to watch them play. Lucky for me, Arizona State and USC played, when I was at Arizona State, played in Arizona, in Tempe. So I was able to watch my Trojans play against my Sun Devils and watched my Trojans dominate my Sun Devils. I was happy about it. I won a Pac-12, well, back then it was a Pac-10 championship. I won a Pac-10 championship. I got a Pac-10 championship ring from Arizona State. And this isn't any, I'm not trying to throw any salt at Arizona State. I like Arizona State. I'm not trying to throw any salt or or diminish anything that they did for me because they did a lot for me. They did a lot for me. I love being there. It was, I, I had a blast. It's not an insult to them. It's just a testament on how much USC means to me and what and what USC is for me. I am USC, damn it. When USC wins football games, I'm a better golfer. I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. I'm a better friend. I'm a better brother. I'm better at everything when USC wins. When they, when they lose, not so much. Debatable. That's absolutely debatable. Sundays suck. I have a hard time watching NFL games when Nessie loses. Because all it does is remind me of the, the bullshit that happened on that Saturday. But I digress. So I do appreciate it, guys. I'm uh, at the 25-minute mark almost. Uh, this is my first podcast, so I do appreciate you working through me with the growing pains. Uh, moving forward, I will be having guests. Uh, my first one will probably be my brother Colin Ashton, who played for Carol, uh, played with Reggie and all them. Uh, during the good old heydays, USC is going to soon to be back there. But I do appreciate the time and the patience to work through these these struggles with me. I know I've I've stumbled over a few words and fumbled over a few topics, and I've even probably had a couple of more errors. Um, I mean, I know for a fact that I said that USC versus Arizona back uh, in 2018 uh, was 24 to 20, which it was 24 to 20. But it, I also said that they didn't score a point in the second half, which is incorrect. Uh, it was actually 24-0 in the third. Uh, we then ended up being 24-7 after the third. But regardless, neither here nor there. Um, I do appreciate the time. Um, and also for you fans or for you people that actually think that fans on Twitter or Instagram have any say in whether or not a recruit comes to your school, you are mistaken. They don't give a shit about that. Believe me. Um, so fight on, guys. I look forward to the next episode. Uh, Hopefully you guys uh, stay tuned. Bye-bye.